Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, that's right. You heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Fox Sports Radio here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. I'd like to thank the Colorado Buffaloes for participating in the 2023 college football season, barring a miraculous comeback tonight against Washington State. That could happen. Sure. And following a perhaps unlikely road win at Utah Saturday, next Saturday, the 25th, well, the Buffaloes could end up 1-8 and eight in conference. By the way, the Buffaloes ended up 1-8 and eight in conference last year. But it all comes down to perspective, doesn't it? Because after they started out 3-0, and oh, they were the hottest thing since pepperoni pizza. People were clamoring to get in. Not so much. It comes down to perspective. You may have heard the story of the two brothers. Brother one, brother two. Brother one... Well, he's got a net worth of $50,000. Brother two has a net worth of $10 million. After trading in the market on Friday, brother one makes $10,000 in the market. His net worth has increased to $60,000. He's ecstatic. Brother two has a rough day in the market on Friday. He loses a million dollars. He now has a net worth of $9 million. He's depressed. How's that work? Brother one has a net worth of $60,000. He's ecstatic. Brother two has a net worth of $9 million. He's depressed. It's all about perspective. Take the Denver Broncos. He's brother number one. They're four and five. After starting out 0-3 and and 1-4, and they won three in a row. They're four and five. They beat the Vikings on Sunday, which I expect them to do. They're going to be five and five. They're ecstatic. Take the Cincinnati Bengals. They're five and five. They're depressed. It's all about perspective. And to add insult to injury, 
no pun intended, we now find out that Joe Burrow will miss the remainder of the season with the torn wrist ligament, making him the second $200 million quarterback this week to see his year cut short following Deshaun Watson's shoulder injury. Add that up with Achilles injuries that have sidelined Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers, as well as injuries to Anthony Richardson and Daniel Jones. Well, nearly a quarter of the NFL's week one starters have dealt with major setbacks. By the way, the Buffalo, we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about the Buffalo Bills as too. It comes, comes down to perspective, okay? They had what I would consider to be an impressively bad loss earlier in the week to the aforementioned Denver Broncos. By the way, how the hell do you have 12 men on defense for a freaking field goal? And, and what is wrong with Josh Allen? You know, the Bills are seriously in danger of missing the playoffs. Josh Allen is a big reason why. Through a couple of picks and Monday night's 24-22 loss to the Browns, that gives him a lead leading 11 interceptions this season. He's one of the top quarterbacks in 2020, and Buffalo's won the AFC East three years in a row with an offense that's ranked in the top three in scoring this year, or each of those years. But this year, the Bills, who've not lost more than six games in a season since Allen's rookie year, they're an underwhelming 5-5 five and five with a really tough schedule ahead. All comes down to perspective, which leads me to the biggest story today in college football. The Michigan Wolverines will take on the Maryland Terps in Maryland 10 hours from now without Jim Harbaugh on their side, on their sideline. So what happened? Well, as I mentioned to you last week, there are three types of injunctions. There's a permanent injunction, temporary injunction, and of course temporary restraining order, which is what Michigan filed last week. The hearing would have been Friday. But on Thursday... Michigan's lawyers, as I believe they would, took a hard look at this. And it was obvious to them that they were not going to be able to meet their burden to get the judge to uphold this temporary uh, restraining order. The burden involved two things. One, that Michigan had a fighting chance to really win this case. And two, that if Michigan didn't prevail with their decision to request a temporary restraining order allowing Harbaugh to stay on the field for the final two games, then they would suffer irreparable damage. But Michigan decided to demur. They backed down. They dropped their suit. Onward and upward, Harbaugh will will not be on the sidelines for Michigan's final two games. And by, by the way, make no mistake, I've been on the phone with my Michigan peeps a lot this week. They think they're going to beat Ohio State regardless of whether or not Jim Harbaugh is on the sidelines. And and they're pretty cocky about it. So we shall see what happens. But what's interesting is that had, had this temporary restraining order been upheld, the case would have stayed open. The Big Ten would continue digging. That might not have been good for Michigan. Matter of fact, it wouldn't have been good for Michigan. The discovery process would have continued. And let me just put this in layman's terms. Based on what I know, there's not a dot in my mind. Michigan would have lost more by winning had this case stayed open. So this is a strategic retreat. 
And by now you may have heard of people like Uncle T or this coach who allegedly has destroyed computer records or tried to. And Coach Partridge, the linebacker's coach, he will not be with the team anymore. He's been relieved of his duties. And that has to do with the NCAA investigation, which is still undergoing. They're still interviewing the coaches. And after that investigation is finished, well, the NCAA then will issue a a 90-day, you know, notice of allegation as it were which means michigan will have 90 days after that to respond this thing's going to spill into the spring summer next year these things take forever and in case you missed it the big 10 has found they believe michigan violated their policy by quote conducted an impermissible in-person scouting operation over multiple years and based on things that are coming out now michigan's assertion that connor stallions was some lone wolf rogue is starting to be debunked quite a bit This story has legs. It'll be the gift that keeps on giving. So while not an admission of guilt, this is proof to me that Michigan would not have prevailed on their TRO. They wouldn't have met their burden, and they would not have been able to prove irreparable damage. Maryland is a 19-point underdog Saturday. You never know what can happen. But the game we'll all be looking at, of course, is Michigan at Ohio State. And it bothers me, it bothers a lot of people that Michigan continues to play the victim and throw their hands up as if this some, is some, you know, this is no big deal. I've reported on this objectively. I haven't really taken sides on it. But let's let the season play out because Michigan's either going to advance to the playoff or they're not. But I will boldly proclaim that I have many shows, they're not going to win the national championship. I'll give it up to their their gutty, gritty performance at Penn State, who featured an offense that couldn't score in women's prison with a fistful of 50s last week. But Michigan did what they needed to do in the second half. But you're going to run the ball 32 times in a row in 2023? Yeah, try that against Georgia or even against Alabama or even against Florida State or Texas or any of those schools that actually have an offense. This ain't over, folks, to quote Yogi Berra. Coming up, we're going to bring in our college football guru, an expert in the field, Brad Powers. We're going to take a look ahead at these conference clinching scenarios because of this four-team made-for-TV invitational tournament. One of the Power Five conferences will get left home. But that's the system we have. You play the hand you're dealt. Tonight's show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, Brad Powers. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Tyrac.com studio. So keep it right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex 
twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sits, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare all right we're back on the bernie frato show fox sports radio come to you live from the tyrant.com studios here in las vegas this time, let's welcome in a gentleman, one of the most sought-after college football experts in the country. Find him at bradpowersports.com. Follow him on Twitter at bradpower7, and certainly the Bet the Board podcast. Brad, glad to have you tonight. How you doing, buddy? Hey, doing well, Bernie. Good to hear your voice on this fine Friday. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to dive into some of these conference-clinching scenarios and get your thoughts, because... Obviously, one of the Power 5 conferences is going to get left out. Only four teams get in. But I want to start with a couple of quickies. Game Saturday, Penn State laying, I believe, 20, 20 and a half against Rutgers. Is that a dream crusher game? Would you look at the Rutgers side at all? I would uh, certainly, yeah, I would certainly lean the Rutgers side there. Um, probably need 21 to get significantly involved, though, because, I mean, Rutgers did put up a zero spot against an Iowa team that Penn State beat by 31. I hate using that transitive property in college football, but uh, there's a reason why it's a significant point spread here. I'm just worried, you know, Penn State, what else is there to play for other than pride? Rutgers is, you know, bowl eligible already. They've had a, you know, certainly an above-average season, to say the least. So lean Rutgers there. Fair enough. And the other game, uh, I have certainly not fired on this game. Michigan laying 19 at Maryland. Of course, you've got Ohio State on deck. I certainly am not uh, implying that Michigan, Michigan State's looking ahead the classic sandwich game, but that might be a lot of points, and that backdoor could stay open. Your thoughts? Yeah, Maryland's the right side. Maryland's the right side. And, you know, I wasn't there, but the last 24 hours, uh, 
says to me that we might be at the point of no return as far as the distractions from Michigan. Uh, I, I, Harbaugh suspended, didn't really impact the point spread. Now you just fired a linebackers coach. Uh, you mentioned that the sandwich spot uh, of the entire year, forget me, just Michigan, any team in college football. You're off Penn State, you have the Buckeyes on deck. Maryland's going to be confident that they can play with Michigan because they only lost by seven in the big out last year. Maryland for me. Brad, I want to tap into your prescient powers. Oh, hey, see what I did there? Hey, all right. Uh, so let's look. There are five conference clinching scenarios, and obviously there are only four teams that are going to make it. Now, we know there are currently five undefeated teams, but because Michigan and Ohio State are going to play each other, right, there's going to, the most there could be is four undefeated teams. And if there are four undefeated teams, well, maybe the committee, maybe their job becomes simple. But I want to start in the ACC. Florida State's clinched a spot in their championship game. Now, Louisville can secure a spot in the title game if they win or North Carolina loses. Your thoughts, does Florida State and Louisville end up in the ACC title game? Does Florida State run the table? Uh, I, yeah, I think we're looking at Florida State, Louisville, because I mean, right now North Carolina is a seven and a half point underdog to Clemson, so I think they, at the very least, lose that one. That'll clinch it for Louisville, who's in a fifty-fifty game at Miami tomorrow night. So uh, they'll, they'll clinch one way or the other, in my opinion. Florida State obviously is going to be favored over Louisville by a pretty good margin. Well, we're talking uh, it's going to be about uh, a nine-point spread there. So Florida State right now has the easiest path uh, of the remaining of the game. Took the words out of my mouth. So would it, it would surprise me, would it surprise you when all the dust is settled if Florida State's not one of the final four teams? It would surprise me at this point because, I mean, you're talking about they have an FCS opponent this week. They're going to be at least a 10-point favorite against Florida. I just mentioned the ACC championship game. They're going to be laying more than a touchdown. I, I'll be surprised at this point if they're not one of the four. Let's look to the Big Ten uh, because, obviously, it's Ohio State and Michigan. I don't suspect either Minnesota or Maryland will prevail Saturday. So we look ahead to the Big Ten championship or check that the michigan ohio state game week 13 the 25th who do you expect to prevail in that game Uh, i'm not so sure it's an automatic win for michigan like some people think but i really like to get your thoughts yeah i mean i was pretty if you'd asked me this question bernie just even a couple days ago i would have said yep i'm confident michigan i bet michigan in the game i like five and a half believe it or not just because i made the number seven uh but, man, the last 24 hours worries me. They, you know, keep in mind, last week at this time, Michigan's fighting tooth and nail, their final lawsuit. They're denying, you know, denying that they're calling it an injustice. And all of a sudden, they accept the three-game suspension, no questions asked. They drop the lawsuit. They fire a linebacker's coach. That, to me, says, you know, there might be some, <laughs> even some more stuff behind the scenes that hasn't been reported yet. So, I, I, Michigan deserves to be favorite, and they will be next week, even without Harbaugh, without the linebackers coach. Uh, so I expect them to beat the Buckeyes, but the, that confidence level has gone from a, a seven or eight to, to maybe a six. And I've been on the phone a lot with my Michigan peeps. They fired Coach Partridge, a linebackers coach. Right now, the NCA investigation is also continuing, and they're in the they're they're in the portion where they're interviewing coaches, and he was not cooperating. So, your your, your point is duly noted about distractions because the Big Ten might be done with him for now, but the NCA is not, and so uh, that will continue. Uh, let's assume uh, Michigan wins for purposes of this conversation, but if Ohio State were to win, uh, 
it feels like Michigan would not have a path to get to the playoff. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, no path. I mean, they're they're gonna as soon as they lose. I mean, you're gonna see a lot of negativity towards them. Right. Uh, kind of just they, they they won't have a uh, there'll, there'll be a lot of teams more at the front of the line than they are with, with one loss. So yeah, it's everything rides on that Ohio State game. And I'm here to tell you, Bernie, and you know this very well. This is it I'm for Michigan because next year a lot of players graduate. Schedule gets tougher. Harbaugh is he going to be there or not? I mean, this is the final game run for for, for this. You know, the, the culmination of this three year run they've been on because starting next year we're looking at a, a team. Seven and five, eight and four-ish. You're exactly right, and believe me, they know that sentiment there as well. They've known it for about a year. Uh, looking to the Big Ten West, Iowa clinches it with the victory against Illinois Saturday. It's hard for me to believe I would would prevail against either Ohio State or Michigan. Agree? Yeah, even with their outstanding defense, you're still going to be looking at a, I mean, a spread of seventeen plus points right. in the Big Ten championship game, if not higher than that. So let's assume the Big Ten winner and Florida State are two of the four. Let's go to the Big 12. Texas clinches a spot in the championship game if they win. And if Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, two of the three lose, they're in. I expect Texas to be in. Regardless of who they play, who do you expect to prevail out of the Big 12? Yeah, I'll keep it safe and say Texas just because, I mean, let's just say it's, you know, Oklahoma State, uh, who probably has the easiest path because they're favored by a touchdown this week. They'll be a significant favorite against BYU next week. So if it's Texas, Oklahoma State, you're still looking at Texas being a double digit favorite. So I'm going to go with the Longhorns coming out of the Big 12. We're in agreement, but Texas would be the first. They would be the first one-loss conference championship team, so we'll set that aside for now. Pac-12 I'm particularly interested in because if Washington loses Saturday, we might see some chaos. I do expect Oregon and Washington to end up playing for the Pac-12 championship game. I feel like Oregon's the better team. First of all, what do you make that number on a neutral, Brad? I think it would be played here in Vegas. Yeah, believe it or not, or I mean, I know Washington beat Oregon already, but you're looking at Oregon being a sizable favorite, believe it or not. A great, like oh, no, touchdown. I believe it. Yeah, touchdown favorite. You can bet the game now. It's like Oregon six and a half. I agree with that. In fact, I'd probably still lean Oregon at minus six and a half. I'd make it seven. Well, uh, if Dan Lanning doesn't try to be boy genius, then I don't see how <laughs> Washington hangs with him. I, I personally feel like Oregon's the best team in the country when you consider offense and defense. So Oregon would also be, let's assume that that scenario prevails and you've been rock solid on these things, they would also be a one-loss fav- uh, conference champion, which leads us to the SEC. Georgia and Bama, they've already clinched spots in the championship game. They're headed on a collision course. What do you make that line? Who do you expect to prevail? Yeah, Georgia, I'm going to make about three and a half. You can bet it in multiple books right now. It's similar to that. It's the Georgia four, so not much value there. So, you know, Alabama's ascending, but you can make the same case for Georgia. They're off their best performance of the season. So Georgia, more than a field goal favorite in the SEC championship game. I feel like Georgia would get it done as well. Might not be easy. So I, th- yeah. I think just for purposes of tonight's conversation, You'd have an undefeated Big Ten champ. You'd have an undefeated Florida State team. And you'd have an undefeated Georgia team. It feels like, if everything goes according to Hoyles, we've got three of the four playoff teams. And I put them in what order. We'll figure that out later. Which might leave a one-loss Texas team and a one-loss Oregon team. Who gets that fourth spot, Brad? 
That's a tough call. I mean, look, Oregon's overall body of the body of work will be better, uh, in my opinion. But man, Texas has that really has the best data point. And that data point being going on the road, non-conference, winning in Alabama. Oh, uh, I would say per, I could tell you who I'd put in Oregon because I mean, right now in a neutral, I'd favor Oregon over Texas by about six points. Absolutely. So it'd be an easy decision for me. Uh, what's the committee going to do? You know, TV comes involved here. I mean, it's probably easier to lead the Pac-12 team out other than a blue blood like Texas. So I, I think it's a really tough decision. Talking with Brad Powers, college sports, college betting guru, one of the most sought-after college guests in the country. Get him on the Bet the Board podcast, Brad Power Sports, Brad Power 7 at Twitter. All right, just for giggles, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Alabama could beat Georgia. I think that would be curtains for Georgia, correct? And Alabama would advance yep. as a one-loss SEC champion. Fair? Yep, absolutely. They would, uh, they would be in, and uh, we'll see who to the detriment of, uh, man, if it's to, to, to Texas. Man, that would be a catastrophe. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I hate to I hate to be a killjoy, but it would be so on brand for Steve Sarkeesian to find a way to screw the pooch here, right? And not and and get beat one of those games, and that would make it, I think, easier easier on the committee. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it's not a slam dunk, including this week. I mean, it's a very tricky road spot at Iowa State this week. They're only laying seven and a half. Well, in a very tricky road spot, last game I'll ask you about, it's a night game at Oregon State. Washington takes their undefeated record into the in, into Oregon State. And, and I, I got to tell you, that could be a real bear trap. As you, as you probably know, those two schools squirt off in court this past week to settle who should be in control of the Pac-12. And the Oregon State legal team prevailed. So this is a real grudge match. And after tomorrow, or after later today, Saturday, they may not play again. Who knows when? I don't think it's automatic. Washington wins that game. That's going to be a tough game. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason. Let Vegas tell you uh, what's going to happen. Oregon State's favored. I like Oregon State to win the game. I like them to cover the game. I wouldn't be a bit surprised to even win the game with margin. By that, I mean I wouldn't be surprised Oregon State wins by 10. So, Beavers for me. Great, great call, Brad. Final question. Any thoughts on who's going to prevail in this Heisman Trophy race in 2023? Right now, if I had to make one bet, it'd be Bo Nix, just because I expect Oregon to, to win out here, and you know he's going to be in some high-profile games. The second guy, if I, I could tell you who I'd bet, uh, you know, not who I'd bet, but who I'd vote for, who I think is the best player in college football, Shane Daniels, LSU quarterback. I can't help it he doesn't play defense for LSU. But, man, offensively, he's as good as I've seen all year. A million percent. He's a one-man show. You're, you're, you're exactly right. And I should have asked this a minute ago. I promise this is the last question. Who do you like, gun to your head, to win the whole shebang this year uh, in terms of the college football championship? I would have said Michigan maybe a couple weeks ago, believe it or not. Um, now with the distractions, that might get them in a game. I'm going to call for Georgia to be the first team uh, in the AP poll era, going back to the 1930s, the 3 P. So I'll give, give me the Georgia Bulldogs. 
And I believe they're going to three-peat all year. The only reason it doesn't happen is it used to be left to the voters. I mean, when Minnesota did it in the 30s, right, I mean, there have been lots of discrepancies. Bama could have three-peated in the 60s. All right, what's the conversation for a different day? But because they decided on the field, I agree with you, Georgia. Brad, you're one of the busiest guys, one of the hardest workers in this business. Appreciate your help. Enjoy your weekend. Hey, thanks for having me, Bernie. Take care. That is Brad Powers, Brad Powers 7 at Twitter. Brad Power Sports, one of the most knowledgeable, uh, entertaining, of course, college football prognosticators in the country. He's in constant demand to be on folks' shows like this one. Coming up, well, you heard Brad say it, and uh, the truth of the matter is, Washington could very well lose at Oregon State Saturday, and if they lose, chaos ensues. I will explain why. But first... Let's go to our guy, Kevin Figures, with the latest. All right, Bernie, we'll start with some NBA hoops from Friday night. LeBron James scoring 35 points to lead the Lakers to a victory in Portland, 107-95. to The final score, six straight losses there for the Blazers. Kevin Durant, 38 points for the Suns. They beat a shootout, or win a shootout, I should say, against Utah, 131-128. to Guard Bradley Beal for the Suns will miss at least the next three weeks as he continues to deal with that lingering back injury. 24 points for James Harden in a 106-100 Clippers win over Houston. L.A. snapping a six-game losing streak there. Their first win with James Harden in the lineup. Pelicans to beat Denver 115-110 despite 36 points and 18 assists for Nikola Jokic. Wins for Boston, Cleveland, and Sacramento. The Sacramento Kings getting, by the way, 43 points from De'Aaron Fox. They get a victory over the Spurs. Top 25 college basketball victories for Duke, Arizona, and Kentucky. In college football, Washington State beating Colorado 56-14 in Pullman, Texas San Antonio remained unbeaten in the AAC after a 49-21 victory over South Florida. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, thanks so much, Kevin. So, you heard Brad, Oregon State is a favorite. He expects Oregon State to beat Washington. I think I think he's right. It's a real bear trap Saturday night at Oregon State. And here's why that game is so significant. Uh, because if Washington loses, you might get the chaos pertaining to the college football playoff that so many people crave. See, the race for the college football playoff is pretty straightforward at this point. There are five undefeated teams left standing. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington. But because the Buckeyes and Wolverines, will they'll play each other a week from Saturday, well, there can only be a maximum of four unbeatens where the college football committee makes its final selection on December 3rd. So if four of the five teams remain undefeated, I have to believe that that will make the committee's job really simple to pick the four playoff teams. Pick your order. They'll go with the four undefeated teams, but it's never happened before. What if another team goes down? So Michigan and Ohio State, well, there aren't any danger, I don't believe, this weekend against Maryland and Minnesota, respectively, ahead of their showdown next Saturday in Ann Arbor. Meanwhile, Georgia, they're playing Tennessee. They're ranked 18th. But Georgia's a 10-point favorite on the road in Knoxville. Florida State's playing a North Alabama team Saturday that's 3-7. and seven. I think they stay alive, and they'll advance and to the ACC championship game and be a prohibitive favorite over Louisville. And then there's Washington. Washington faces a very stiff challenge on the road against Oregon State, who's currently ranked number 11. And again, the Beavers... As you heard Brad say, they're the betting favorite in this one. Depending on where you shop and when you got on the game, Oregon State was anywhere from minus one to minus two and a half at various sports books, maybe three and a half. Although 
Uh, you know, if you base if you base it on power ratings, it gives a narrow edge to the Huskies. But I don't I don't know. I think this Florida this Oregon State team is dangerous. It'll depend a lot upon their quarterback DJ Ugalele. He's the kid who transferred from Clemson, and he's been hot and cold. When he's on, he's on. When he's not, not so much. But Oregon State, they are no slouch. They picked up some very noteworthy wins over Utah and UCLA, and of course they beat Colorado. Their two losses to Washington State and Arizona, well, they've come they've come by a combined six points. Oregon State has one of the best offenses in the country. They're 19th in total yards per game. They're 14th in points per game. And they've got a respectable defense that's top 30. Washington, well, they've passed every test this year. They beat Oregon, they beat Utah, and they beat USC in hard-fought games. However, Saturday night, 7.30 Eastern on ABC, in Oregon State will be the toughest test this season. Win or lose... Now, the results won't necessarily determine Washington's playoff fate, but a loss would make the committee's job a lot harder because it's going to have to pick the top four in two weeks. Now, I would say this. The remaining schedule that I've shared with you, the other unbeatens, means we're all but assured to have at least three undefeated teams left heading into conference championship weekend. And those three should head into the postseason with their playoff hopes intact. The winner of the Ohio State-Michigan will be a heavy favorite in the Big Ten title game against Iowa. Florida State should have not a lot of trouble with their ACC championship opponent, most likely Louisville. And Georgia, well, they're going to face a difficult championship game against Alabama, but you got to believe the Bulldogs' resume is strong enough they'd earn a spot, even if they, or check that, they should have a chance to earn a spot, even if a loss to Alabama. So that puts... All the pressure Saturday, frankly, is on Washington. It just simply is, because if they lose, I don't. You know, they, in the, if they beat Oregon, which I don't think they'll do, they'll be a they'll be a big underdog. Right now, as Brad said, you can bet the game in Vegas. They're six and a half point underdogs. I don't think Washington would beat Oregon a second time on a neutral here in uh, in, in Las Vegas. That would give them two losses, even if they did. The long and the short of it is um, you'd have a situation where uh, they would be a one-loss Pac-12 championship team. I don't think the committee takes them because you're going to have an undefeated Big Ten team. You're most likely, Georgia's going to be undefeated, and you're going to have a you know undefeated Florida State team. So they And we'll see what happens with Texas, et cetera, in there. But Georgia's back on top again, the Bulldogs. They overtook Ohio State for the number one spot in the newest college football rankings last week. And the Dogs are coming off big victories over Ole Miss, who's ranked 13th, 52-17. to They beat Missouri, who's ranked number 9th, 30-21. They've got a schedule that's all of a sudden been bolstered. They've got some quality wins. And by the way, Tennessee is ranked 18th. I expect Georgia to handle them. Ohio State dropped to number two. They switched spots with Georgia. They do still have two top 25 victories against Notre Dame and Penn State. That keeps them ahead of Michigan, who checks in at number three after their first top 25 win of the season. They beat Penn State 24-15. to Penn State drops to number 12. Meanwhile, again, Florida State remains at number four. They had a bit of a hard-fought uh, win over Miami, but that is a rival school. There was some thought 
Washington could possibly move ahead of the Seminoles because they have three top 25 victories since they beat Utah, ranked 22nd, 35-28 to last week, compared to one for the Seminoles, but the Huskies remain at number five. That's the thing about this made-for-TV tournament, this Invitational. The bottom line is the committee does what they want because it's a made-for-TV event. Coming up, final thoughts on what was the Michigan change of heart for Thursday. What was the sudden change in how they approached their ongoing suspension after being very cocky and after being, you know, very confident and defiant? They switched gears. I'll explain why. Tonight's show, of course, is brought to you by Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. Seriously, see terms. Check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked. Listen to the Bernie Frado Show, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare all right we're back on the bernie frato show fox sports radio coming to you live from the tyrac.com studios here in las vegas Take you up to uh, 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. A lot of stuff to get to. I want to put a capper on the Michigan suspension, Big Ten sportsmanship, Tony Petiti, Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh uh, is starting to bug a lot of people. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, after Michigan beat their chest last week, and they were very defiant and very cocksure, uh, pretty clear to me their lawyers realized they were not going to prevail, meet their burden to uphold the temporary restraining order. And frankly, frankly, Michigan should be glad because the truth of the matter is had this temporary restraining order been upheld, the case would have stayed open. And that means the Big Ten keeps digging. Discovery takes over and frankly, 
Michigan would have lost more by winning in Laban's terms. So what happens? Okay, what happened? The Big Ten's ongoing suspension of Harbaugh in the past several days coincided with a couple new developments that are really fairly significant. And this has to do with the NCAA's ongoing investigation into the Wolverines, and we'll call it their, quote, alleged cheating scheme. But a lot of sources and people have reported, people that are very, very respectable people had reported that early in the week, Michigan and the, and the, and the University, and well, Harbaugh and the University, they were preparing to absolutely challenge the Big Ten's right to suspend the coach with their restraining order and a civil lawsuit that was filed in state court. But on Thursday, the school's lawsuit was voluntary, voluntarily dismissed with prejudice, which means they can't refile it. They won't refile it. It cannot be reintroduced in the future. And then on Friday, Michigan filed their linebackers coach, Chris Partridge. Then sources told ESPN that the NCAA had informed Michigan earlier in the week they had also obtained evidence suggesting that a university booster had helped fund this, as the Big Ten called it, an impermissible sign-stealing operation run by their former Connor, their former staff member, Connor Stallions. Michigan also received evidence suggested their linebackers coach, Partridge, was tampering with the ongoing investigation. So this, uh, this assertion that Michigan had that Connor Stallions was some rogue loan operator, lone wolf, really kind of starts to fall to the ground. So all of a sudden, after striking this defiant tone and you know echoing it through the country, and Harbaugh calling him America's team, and look at us, and I took a civics class in high school, and I watched Judge Judy watch me beat my chest. All of a sudden, he's a no-show. Michigan withdrew its legal complaint the night before their scheduled hearing on Thursday, and they decided to accept the Big Ten's full three-game suspension of Harbaugh. Make no mistake, Michigan still is remaining very cocky that they're going to beat Ohio State without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines on game day. They shifted their tone from this rebuke of the Big Ten sanctions to sort of this growing acceptance that the football program might be dealing with some potentially significant more NCAA infractions that uh, might even indicate, allegedly, a failure to properly monitor the program on Harbaugh's part. Now, again, these, these investigations take forever. The wheels grind slowly. So we're not going to draw any conclusions yet. Now, the Big Ten the Big Ten and Michigan said there's no evidence yet that suggests Harbaugh had direct knowledge of the alleged sign-stealing scheme. So the, the investigation, you'd have to characterize it as an investigation that remains sort of in the very early stages because there's a lot of people that they consider people of interest that are key figures, key people, key players in this that haven't been interviewed yet. Now, less than a week ago, Michigan and their athletic director, Ward Manuel, issued a statement that he believed the Big Ten's decision to suspend Harbaugh was, quote, unethical and insulting to a well-established process within the NCAA and an assault on the rights of everyone, especially in the Big Ten, to be judged by a fair and complete investigation, end quote. And then Michigan's president, Santa Ono, he checked in why he urged the commissioner of the Big Ten, Tony Batiti, in a letter to not succumb to pressure from other schools in a, quote, rush to judgment. He also later commented, 
or commended the football team and how they responded to the adversity and the challenges and with such conviction after Michigan's win over Penn State. But Tony Petiti pushed back. He sent a 13-page letter describing why he, he, he made the decision to sanction Michigan, and he denied that there was that, that Harbaugh was denied due process. And Petiti even met with Ono a week before without, before doling out any discipline. And, uh, and so, look, the Big Ten believes they followed their procedure for employing their sportsmanship policy when it comes to sanctioning the school, right? Petiti also put in his letter, the 13-page letter, that there was, quote, significant new information from interviews that the university attended but could not share publicly because of the NCAA's confidentiality rules. So on Thursday night, Michigan and their lawyers said they accepted Harbaugh's three-game expansion in full, suspension in full, so they could return their focus on the student-athletes and performance on the field. Come on now, man. Come on. This sounds sanctimonious. And I don't know what the end game is going to be here, but I'm sticking to my guns. That while this is not an admission of guilt, it's certainly, on the face of it, or as they say in the legal terms, prima facie, that Michigan and their lawyers did not believe they would meet their burden, that this would suffer irreparable damage, and of course they'd have a chance to win this case. And the case would have stayed open, the Big Ten would have kept digging, and in the discovery process, I think more would have come out. So Michigan would have lost more by winning. Coming up, Week 11, winners and losers in college football. I'll bring them to you. Lots of news to unpack before we head into week 12. Listen to the Bernie Frater Show. Keep it locked. Fox Sports Radio. Yep, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Frater Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Frater. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We do it every week. We look ahead to the eventful Saturday in college football, but you look back as well because many times the storylines that are forming Saturday where the stage was set the week before. With about six games, uh, check that. Check that. Let me try that again. One of the teams that probably is most depressed this week was was Penn State. And they lost last week. Obviously, whatever designs they had on getting into the playoff was long gone. But at the same time, uh, now uh, they did the Big Ten Championship, etc. They lose to Michigan, who was playing without their coach, uh, Jim Harbaugh. And in the most idiosyncratic way in 2023. J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback, only threw the ball eight times for 60 yards. This is 2023. They ran the ball 32 times in the second half, Michigan did. I, as I, you heard me say, try that against Georgia. I, I dare you. The Nittany Lions, they hit only a lot, 545 yards all season before they got on the field against Michigan. And uh, Michigan obviously ran the ball at will. They went 227 times and did what they needed to do, and Penn State never really threatened. I mean, they just they just it was three nothing, but that was it. Okay, Michigan winner last week, Penn State loser. One of the big winners, Georgia. They get Brock Bowers back after many people said he wouldn't play, 
He's back. He missed only two games with his injured ankle and makes an immediate impact. Catches a touchdown pass, 34 yards. Georgia, their top-ranked, most convincing result of the season. They put up 52 against the Mississippi State team. That's a very competitive team. They're, I believe, ranked 11th. And so uh, Georgia uh, started a little slow. They gave up a pair of uh, touchdown drives in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden they held Jackson Dart and the Rebels scoreless the rest of the way. Meanwhile, Carson Beck really starting to come into his own through for 306 yards. I really believe Georgia's going to three-peat. But we'll continue that narrative throughout the season. We'll see what happens. Florida State and Washington were both winners last week. They're still part of the two top playoff contenders. They escape upsets. They remain unbeaten. If you are unbeaten, I, I've always believed you get to the you get to the end of the year and you're you're unbeaten. Well, they don't ask how, just how many. So if you're not beating teams by margin, well, that's a backhanded compliment because that means people must think enough of you to expect you to win by margins, not just enough to win. You have to win by margin. Washington, they survive a close call. They beat Utah 35-28. The defense clamped down when they needed to. They held the Utes scoreless in the second half. But I think Washington could be in trouble Saturday against Oregon State. But for now, they're in the winner's circle. Missouri, what an incredible pro- – you know, Drinkwitz has done a very good job with that program. My goodness. Uh they were a. If people projected them to be a borderline bowl team in August, maybe seven win team, but then they smashed Tennessee, thirty six to seven last week. They're probably headed for a New Year's Six bowl because Missouri is very good. Another winner, Marvin Harrison Jr. I know people want to diminish him. I think they're crazy because he doesn't have the most receptions or receiving yards or any of that. But his playmaking ability, when it matters most, are the things that make him great. And he, he is a superstar. He had a Heisman-worthy game again last week, 38-3. to They blow out Michigan State, catches seven balls, 149 yards, three touchdowns. But you look earlier in the year when they beat Penn State and Ohio State beat Notre Dame, Marvin Harrison came up big. And uh, Kyle McCord, Ohio State's quarterback, is also starting to come into his own through for 335 and three touchdowns. Uh, so those, are, I, I believe, are what you would characterize as the winners, along with maybe Clemson, better late than never. They've started to look the part of a top 25 team the past two weeks after Dabo Swinney went on his radio show and, and uh, had a bit of a meltdown. Don't, don't act like he didn't, but he did. Uh, defensively, Clemson uh, held the second-best offense in the ACC to just 254 yards last week to smash Georgia Tech 42-21. And uh, Central Florida, you know, I believe this is the first year in the Big 12. Man, talk about a signature win. They not only beat Oklahoma State, who'd beaten Oklahoma, they beat them 45-3. to and By the way, UCF had Oklahoma down recently as well, but they, they couldn't hold on. Cowboys had won five in a row. And, uh, you know, the, the UCF, uh, as you know, not, now they're in a Power 5 conference. And they've always had great athletes, always had a good program. Now they're really tested week in, week out. And they're proving uh, that they can they can answer the test, and so uh, you know they, they they put up offense, they compete, and uh, some, I I give Central Florida a real thumbs up. Losers, Florida, my God, Florida's defense is painful to watch, and their offense is almost just as painful because they can't pick up the slack. The result is Florida, a proud program, is average at best, and a lot of times below average. They give up 52 last week to LSU, lose 52-35.
Jaden Daniels. You know, it was kind of a Heisman showcase game for him. He uh, put the you know the Gators in, in real danger of being under 500 this year. And uh, I, I don't know that Billy Napier's in the hot seat. I don't know. I don't care. It's none of my business. But the bottom line is Florida's now only 5-5. Five and five. They have one good win on the year against Tennessee. And they face the real possibility of potentially missing out on bowl play altogether because they got to go to Missouri and then they're home against Florida State the final game of the season. Florida could theoretically end up 5-7. and seven. Wisconsin, I put them on the losing category this week. They drop a game to Northwestern, who really has my respect after what happened in the offseason. They lose 24-10, to 10, and it wasn't even that close. Wisconsin's dropped four of their last five games. They have no chance of playing in the Big Ten Championship. This is Luke Fickle's first season. This offense, another stinky offense. I don't know. Right now, Wisconsin, their goal should just get be, be able to get to a goal game, bowl game and go from there. But they're on the loser's side. So it's James Franklin. With all due respect to James Franklin, Saturday after losing to Michigan, he's now 4-16 and against Ohio State and Michigan. And it once again highlights the major flaw in his tenure. His inability to get past those two Big Ten heavyweights. He can't get them over the hump. Facts. Facts is facts. Overall, Penn State, they're 19-0 since the start of last season against every opponent other than Ohio State and Michigan. And that's a dark cloud that you know, looms over the program. Penn State can still rally and have a 10-win season, a possible New Year's Bowl, depending on whether or not the Big Ten champion reaches the playoff, which I think it's almost a virtual certainty the Big Ten champion will. Colorado loses again Friday night to Washington State. Last week, Colorado led Arizona 24-17 after two quarters, and they slumped, and they lose 34-31 on a 24-yard field goal. They give up 56 points Friday night. Hate to say it, Colorado loses at Utah next Saturday. And do you really expect them to go into Utah and win when virtually nobody goes into Utah and wins? And I think it's like a weird start time, like 10 in the morning. If that happens, Colorado will finish the season 4-8. and eight. By the way, they started out 3-0. and oh. Colorado would be 1-8 and eight in conference play. Guess what Colorado's record was in conference play in 2022? You guessed it, 1-8. and eight. Now, how was your day? Finally, Vanderbilt, they're still terrible. They gave up 487 yards. They lose to South Carolina 47-6. to They're 2-9 and nine overall, 0-7 in SEC play. They get Tennessee, the 25th. There, they're 9-27. and 27. I, I, I would just say this. Vanderbilt, the reason I'm highlighting them is because if they lose... That would be their third winless finish in SEC play in the last four years. Yes, they are an SEC team, but <laughs> three out of four years, if you don't win a single conference game, yeah, I don't think that's too good. But speaking of not too good, how would you like to be a school that just paid their coach? Well, they didn't pay him yet. I'll explain. They're going to pay him $76.8 million to go away unreal if you haven't heard about it well i'll tell you about it coming up tonight's show is brought to you by progressive insurance progressive makes bundling easy and affordable get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle rv boat atv and more all your protection to one place bundle and save at progressive.com i'm bernie Frado. we are coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio tire studios keep it locked right here 
You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare all right back on the bernie fratto show fox sports radio coming to you live from the tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, we will take you up till 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. Tonight's show is brought to you by Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. Seriously, see terms. Check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Well, I was tipped off, and I told some peeps I know about a week ago, that Jimbo Fisher would be fired. And Sunday morning it happened. Jimbo Fisher, in case you live on Mars, was the erstwhile head football coach at Texas A&M. And, uh, you know, those folks engaged in one of the one of the more impressive NIL-consolidated efforts in, in the, maybe in the history of college football. Their collectives, their boosters, their program backers raised about $30 million in the last couple of years and brought in a boatload of five-star, four-star, three-star recruits. And uh, Jimbo Fisher had the distinction of having an incredible buyout. I mean, they gave him a 10-year, $95 million contract, but the buyout is the thing to me that really causes you to scratch your head. Because in order to part ways with Jimbo Fisher... The buyout is $76.8 million. And apparently they decided, they got a lot of oil money down there in Texas, and they decided, look, if if Texas A&M can't even win the SEC West after six years with the resources we have here, it's time to move on. And you talk to people, and I talk to people all the time, it turns out perhaps Jimbo Fisher really wasn't a fit in Texas, didn't really fit the culture. turns out he didn't have a lot of Texas ties and so this is leading now to the firing, which is going to set a new precedent for multi-million dollar buyouts in college football. Now, just two years after giving him a 10-year, $95 million contract extension, well, they're parting ways with the coach 
And this move is going to cost them a lot of money. And uh, there's no offset language, meaning Fisher can receive the money even if he ends up signing with another school. I believe Darren Rovell reported that. And so the university is also on the hook for a lot of the lucrative contracts held by many of his assistants, which will also add tens of millions of dollars, right? Now, Fisher's buyout is the second largest in college football, uh, which would cost it would cost Georgia, I believe, $92 million if they got rid of Kirby Smart. I'm not sure. I haven't sourced that this is 100% true. I don't think they're going to do that. I think Kirby Smart is doing everything that, that you know you could ask him to do. But it's funny because, they, maybe not funny, but Texas A&M won Saturday. They beat Mississippi State 51-10, to and they got fired Sunday morning. But see, that doesn't hide the fact that his conference record is 6-9 and nine since the beginning of the 2022 season, and the stakeholders at Texas A&M said, we just, we just can't do this anymore. Uh, now, if you're scoring at home, the other two largest buyouts, you got Mel Tucker who Michigan State parted ways with. He has an $80 million buyout clause, but from what I hear, I think Michigan State believes that they won't have to honor the buyout due to the sexual harassment allegations. We'll see. That's got to be adjudicated, but we'll see. But previously, just to give this some perspective, okay, to give this some perspective, um, the most expensive buyout in college football history prior to this was Gus Malzahn, who had received $21.5 million from Auburn after being fired in 2020. And that seemed like an astronomical amount of money. Uh, but that's the new thing now. Uh, when agents negotiate contracts for coaches... Uh, obviously, they get lucrative contracts, and, but but the clause that's built in that sort of protects the coach and gives them security is, if you're going to fire me, you're going to pay me to go away. And most coaches have very lucrative buyouts. Uh, I, I, for example, Lance Leipold, I think, has done a fabulous job at Kansas. I'm sure they don't want him to go anywhere, but if he ends up going somewhere, uh, his buyout to the school is, I believe, $12 million. Now, that's not chump change which sort of leads you to the Jim Harbaugh situation, where, interestingly enough, and I think the school would like to retain Jim Harbaugh. If you think that they're turning on Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, you're wrong. This has caused them to circle the wagons tremendously. They love their coach. Harbaugh has been successful at Michigan, and he's made the school a fortune. And he's this generation's both Sean Beckler times two. And I believe they they would have probably negotiated and gotten a new extension. Um, But Harbaugh wants a very low buyout. For instance, if Jim Harbaugh were to leave, theoretically, Michigan after this season, his current buyout is $2.2 million, $2.25. And it drops by $750,000 per year each year. That's to make it easier for an NFL team to snap him up. And make no mistakes... I'm not making any predictions. I know people have had it wrong the last two years by a wide margin. I know the Denver Broncos offered Jim Harbaugh the job this past season. He didn't want it. He saw the team he's got coming back, believes he's got 20 guys that will be drafted. He's got J.J. McCarthy. He's got two running backs and a pretty good defense. 
and they they still haven't really been challenged. If you got to run the ball, if you could run the ball thirty two times in a row and still win in twenty twenty three, well, with all due respect, Penn State was not a challenge, not to the degree that we expected them to be. So we'll see what Michigan does when they get on the field with Ohio State, and should they advance to the playoffs if they play a team with a real offense. We'll see what they do. Uh, but the theory is that. Jim Harbaugh will look hard long at the NFL this year. Now a couple of interesting jobs have opened up at the Raiders, uh, who Jim has a long history with. Al Davis loved him before he passed. Mark Davis loves him. The McCaskey family in Chicago have called Jim Harbaugh part of the family. So we'll see what happens. Let's not speculate too much. Let's get through the college football season. But I can tell you, I can tell you that Harbaugh never got over the fact that he lost his brother to the super, in the Super Bowl, and Harbaugh would like to win a Super Bowl. And he turns 60 next year. So the stars could be aligning for Jim Harbaugh. But I'm off on a tangent. I'm fascinated by this Jimbo Fisher firing. Now, keep in mind that the bad news is that they owe Texas A&M owes Jimbo Fisher $76.8 million. If they'd have waited another year to fire him, they would have only owed him like $68 million next year. Imagine that, only 68 But the good news is they don't have to all pay it out immediately. Here's the breakdown. Believe it or not, it's going to take eight years for Fisher to collect his full buyout. Within 60 days, Texas A&M has to dole out $19.4 million. Within 120 days, $7.27 million. So he'll get about $27 million of what he's owed here in the next four months. And then in, from the years 2025 through the year 2031, annually, He'll get payouts of $7.27 million each of those years until he's completely paid off in 2031. Now, I don't know if Jimbo Fisher is going to get another job. He probably will. And so there's no offset language, which means that even if he gets another job, making whatever he would command, well, then he can still, you know, that still doesn't preclude him from getting this payout. He's, he's going to get the payout regardless. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of jobs open around the country. The Michigan State job, the uh, the Texas A&M job, the Mississippi State job, the Arkansas job. Um, well, it's not yet, but I believe it's going to be. I shouldn't have said that. I believe it's going to be from what we hear. It's possible UCLA could open up. Brady Hoke just retired at San Diego State. So the bottom line is that, you know, there's going to be a real shuffling of the deck this coming this coming season in uh, in in college football, and so the you know in, in, you even even in the NFL uh, in the bottom of the hour after after Kevin figures update, I'm going to get to the Bill Belichick saga because there's all sorts of rumors swirling about him. This is a tough year in the NFL, man. I mean. If you're the Ravens and the Bengals last night, the Ravens win this huge AFC North matchup, 34-20. to 20. That could be a decider as to who goes on to, to win the AFC North. Baltimore's 8-3 now. They hold a one-and-a-half game lead. Probably the best, the best division in football. But again, the bigger story, Joe Burrow's injury. The Bengals and their coach, Zach Taylor, said Joe Burrow sprained his wrist on his throwing arm. And as of last night, they, they weren't sure how much time he could miss, or as of Thursday night. But now, it's been reported that Burrow is out for the year. Cincinnati's now 5-5, five and five, and 
I got to tell you, I, I'm a huge Burrow fan, but between the ACL, the calf injury, this wrist injury, first of all, any realistic championship hopes the Bengals had went out the window. Yeah, nothing against Jake Browning. He was outstanding at Washington. But as far as the Bengals are concerned, it might be Jake from State Farm. But who's ever standing at the end of the season might win the Super Bowl because the, the this game was littered with injuries. The Ravens tight end, Mark Andrews, he's expected to miss the season. He has an ankle injury. Odell Beckham, and he's banged up. And the Ravens center, Tyler Linderbaum's banged up. So the good news for Baltimore, they get a bye after next weekend. Speaking of buys, might we be saying goodbye to the third winningest coach of all time? I'm not sure. I'll tell you what's been leaking out of New England. But first, before we get to that, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Figures, with the latest. All right, Brady, with the Clippers say goodbye to their six-game losing streak on Friday night, picking up their first win since trading for James Harden, a 106-100 to victory over the Houston Rockets, Harden's former team. James scoring 24 points with nine rebounds and seven assists. Kawhi Leonard led all scorers. He scored 26 points. H-Town has lost, or I should say had their six-game winning streak snapped. Lakers got 35 points from LeBron. LeBron James in a 107-95 victory in Portland. Blazers have lost six in a row. It was the Suns 131 and Utah 128. Kevin Durant 38 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists. You had wins for the Sixers, Bucks, Knicks, and the Sacramento Kings. In college football, Washington State steamrolled Colorado 56-14, while UTSA defeated USF 49-21. In NFL news, the Bears will activate starting running back Khalil Herbert off of injured reserve. He is expected to play against Detroit on Sunday. Vikings receiver Justin Jefferson is listed as questionable for Sunday night against Denver. He has been out since week five with a hamstring injury. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right. Thanks so much, Kevin. So one of the greatest coaching careers in NFL history might be hanging in the balance. Uh, He's third in victories, I believe, behind George House and Don Shula. And, of course, not only did he win seven Super Bowls with New England, Remember, Bill Parcells, the great Bill Parcells, never won a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick by his side. But after Sunday's loss to the Colts in Germany, a 10-6 snoozer, which dropped the Patriots to, it's, it's unreal to look at this, 2-8. The Patriots are 2-8 and eight on the season. The narrative, the groupthink echo chamber narrative surrounding Bill Belichick is now growing. Things have just, they've just simply gotten progressively worse for the Pats as each week goes by during the season. They had their first one of the season, week three against the Jets, but then they follow that up with losses of 38-3 to and 34 to nothing. That's not competing. Then they had a nice comeback win over the Bills in week seven, but they have not been able to build on it. Three state grand games now. Sunday... Their performance, New England's performance, which you could be best described as, what, very uninspiring, listless, was a new low. And now, not only is this season for the Patriots going from bad to worse, and it's not funny, you now are hearing the Patriots in conversations for a team that might even end up with the number one pick. Now, if the draft were held today, New England would be picking fourth overall. So, in this common parlance known as the NFL, well, what do teams usually do when they're 2-8 and eight and they got an offense that ranks second to the last in league and scoring? Almost exclusively, 
they fire the coach. Usually, it's a relatively easy decision, but not in this case. This is a calculus that's very much more complicated. Because after everything that Bill Belichick has accomplished, you just can't call a press conference, issue a press release, and send them packing, especially in the middle of the season. You can't do that, and I do not believe the Patriots will do that. But as the story grows, this very much leaves Robert Kraft, their owner, in a tricky spot. I I think Robert Kraft's a good man, and he very much wants to respect the two and a half decades of domination that Belichick brought this franchise. Or two decades, anyway. I also think, obviously, because Bill Belichick will be a Hall of Fame coach, he's sensitive. He's, he's going to be very sensitive to not only being the guy who let Tom Brady out of town and even would have gotten him out of town sooner, maybe if Belichick would have had his way, but he might be the guy who let Belichick go as well. So, I my belief is that Somehow, Robert Kraft is looking for sort of this seamless, smooth, elegant escape hatch from not only moving on from Bill Belichick, but the Belichick era. Now, it's been suggested that if they want to do this the right way, you give Bill Belichick a respectable send-off, a hearty send-off. And what would that mean? Well, maybe that means that the Patriots announced right before their final home game of the season on January 7th that Bill Belichick will be moving on. Then you could have a ceremony that honors him during the game. They play the Jets that day. You send him on his way. I believe the home crowd would be raucous. They would be cheering. And the only question is, if it were to come to this, would Belichick agree to it? Would he go for it? There is no way of knowing. That's the beauty of Bill Belichick. You hear him in press conferences. Now, the private Bill Belichick has a great personality, believe it or not. He's funny. He's smart. He didn't win by accident. And it wasn't just Brady. Belichick had some good defenses there. But the Patriots don't have the personnel to compete. They just don't. But we don't know what makes Belichick tick, except that he doesn't like the media. He's always said... That if I'm losing, the media can't save me. If I'm winning, the media can't touch me. So it's possible deep down. Coach wants to say goodbye to the fan base, make an announcement on his own, or, God forbid, could we see a situation that Belichick would be so obstinate it would force Kraft to fire him, take his money, and go elsewhere. I don't know what the solution is. And now we're hearing reports that people could potentially see Bill Belichick with the Commanders next year? Well, the Commanders have a coach, Ron Rivera, so let's not go down that road. But once again, the groupthink echo chamber likes to work overtime. So people are clamoring to speculate and pontificate on what the hell's going to happen with Bill Belichick. I don't think even God knows. But these are all the things we're hearing blown in the wind. And after last Sunday's loss to the Colts in, 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 in the most embarrassing fashion, frankly, Maybe any of it or all of it is on the table. We will continue to watch this story and have it play out. Probably get on a guest from Boston as we get closer to the end of the season. Another group groupthink echo chamber conversation is what the hell is wrong with Josh Allen? After an incredibly impressively bad way to lose to Buffalo on Monday night, 
Josh Allen, well, the fingers are being pointed at him. We'll talk about it coming up. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com Studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare all right back on the bernie frato show fox sports radio coming to you live from the studios here in las vegas coming up top of the hour we're going to dive into this draymond green situation my God, uh, you know, if you look up stupid in the dictionary, if you don't see his picture, well, then you're not looking hard enough because this dude, you thought he had a body of work before? We're bringing the crew to talk about it, too. This is a conversation very much worth having. Meanwhile, we've talked about Belichick. The other group think echo chamber name that keeps coming up is Josh Allen, and the question is, what's wrong with Josh Allen? The truth of the matter is the Bills are in serious danger of missing the playoffs. And, frankly, Josh Allen is a big reason why. He threw two more picks Monday night against the Broncos. He now has a league-leading 11 interceptions on the season. 11 interceptions. And let's not forget that when Josh Allen burst upon the scene back in 2020, he emerged as one of the top quarterbacks in the league, frankly, right away because he turned the Bills into serious Super Bowl contenders. And he's got a few accomplishments. Remember, Buffalo has won the AFC East three years in a row with an offense that's ranked in the top three in scoring in each of those three years. But here comes a big but, Pee-wee. The Bills, who've not lost more than six games in a single season since Josh Allen's rookie year, well, they're extremely disappointed, 5-5. Five and five. Seven weeks left, and they have a very tough schedule in head. Why are the Bills struggling? Because, and by the way, they've particularly had issues and struggled in the first half of games this season. Buffalo only scored eight points at home against Denver in the first half Monday night and seven points in the first half against the Bengals the week before. Buffalo scored 14 touchdowns in the first half of games this season, which is tied for eighth most in the NFL, but only 17 in the second half. And... 
the bottom line is part of the issue they're having are turnovers. Allen is throwing seven half, uh, seven first half interceptions, the most in the league, and uh, four in the second half. Now, when you put your team in a hole like that, and Buffalo's defense has not been what it's been in the past, you find that you're a five and five team. Buffalo managed only one first half touchdown Monday night because why? Well. Both of Josh Allen's interceptions Monday night came before halftime. The first one killed a good Buffalo drive, had them in the right on the cusp of the end zone very early in the first quarter, set the tone for the game. The second interception came on Buffalo's very first play after Denver kicked a field goal that gave the Broncos a 12-8 lead in the second half. It, not, it, it also gave the Broncos a short field. And what did Denver do? They took advantage of that short field. They added another field goal as time expired. So Denver headed into the locker room Monday night at halftime with a seven-point advantage, 15-8. By the way, Josh Allen had a third turnover in the third quarter when he botched a handoff to James Cook. Now, I guess you could chalk up that fumble to miscommunication between Allen and Cook. But you add that to two interceptions, and when you commit three turnovers in an NFL game, history tells us you lose 94% of the time, and Buffalo did. They lost 24-22 to the Broncos. Now, on the first pick, Allen forced to throw into a tight window. It ended up getting deflected, and it was intercepted by Justin Simmons. The second pick... Allen just simply failed to recognize that Fabian Moreau was waiting to jump the route. He stared down his hot receiver, threw it anyway. Those are the kind of poor decisions that a veteran like Josh Allen should not be making in his sixth season in the league. These are things he hadn't made, done in previous years, and that's why you now find Buffalo at 5-5. Five and five. But there was, there was blame to go around, plenty of blame to go around. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, it's been a week almost to try to process how dumb of a football game they played Monday night. And even though if you're a Broncos fan, you're excited. Okay, again, it's back to my story on perspective. Brother one and brother two. Brother one, he's got a net worth of 50 grand. Brother two's got a net worth of 10 million. Brother one has a great day in the stock market Friday, makes 10,000 bucks. His net worth is 60000 He goes to bed ecstatic. Brother two, he has a terrible day in the stock market, loses a million dollars. He's now worth $9 million. He goes to bed depressed. Brother one has a net worth of 60000 He's ecstatic. Brother two has a net worth of $9 million. He's bummed. It all comes down to perspective. So as Denver played Buffalo, Denver's four and five. They started out 0-3, started out 1-4. Now they're 4-5. They beat Minnesota Sunday. They got an outside shot to get in this playoff race. Sean Payton's turning it around. Wilson's starting to cook. The Denver defense, they're starting to gravitate toward that 10th-ranked defense last year. Yeah, they're 4-5. They're brother one. They're ecstatic. The Buffalo Bills, they're 5-5. Five five. They've got a better record than Denver. They're bummed. Bad football Monday night. Might have been entertaining. But, look, the final sequence of that game might really speak.
spell it out for the Bills and what the hell is going on there. Okay? Down one point. One point. 22 to 21. Russell Wilson drives the Broncos into Buffalo's territory, but he faces a third and ten from the Buffalo 45. Throws an incomplete pass. But a defensive pass interference call moves the ball up 28 yards. Now they're on the 17. Well, doesn't look good for Buffalo. You figure Denver's going to wrap this thing up, right? But the ball's near chip shot range. So what does Russell Wilson do? He takes three straight knees to set up one of the... I think both teams, both fan bases had to be just big time stressing out over this field goal attempt. And both teams. So Denver manages to have no timeouts left. So what they had to do was rush their kicking unit on the field, line up, execute the snap, execute the hold, and make sure Will Lutz, who's one of the better kickers in the game, make a 41-yarder on the road on Monday night, and it's cold with a lot of pressure. Game over, right? Wrong. The Bills, first of all, first of all, Will Lutz misses it. He misses the field goal. But the Bills, they are so caught up in the hysteria of the Broncos and their Chinese fire drill trying to get on the field and line up and their dysfunction. The Bills had 12 men on the field for a field goal. How do you do that? So after missing the 41-yarder, Will Lutz gets a second bite at the apple. Denver picks up five yards, courtesy of the Buffalo penalty. And remember, it took a pass interference call on third and ten and an incomplete pass to get the ball down to the 17-yard line in the first place. So Buffalo was heavily into charity, but Denver couldn't take advantage. Well, the second time they did. Lutz nails a 36-yard field goal, game winner, walk-off, game, set, match. The Broncos leave town with a very much needed 24-22 win, and the Bills are left scratching their heads. So as we sit today, Denver is 4-5 and five and on a three-game winning streak. But the focus is on Buffalo. They were considered to be a top-flight Super Bowl contender. They're now just 5-5. Five and five. They got a bunch of injuries. They keep making mistakes. The Bills had four turnovers Monday night. Each one was more baffling than the previous. All self-inflicted wounds. Buffalo still does have a talented roster. And people have been f- assuming that they'll figure it out over the first couple months after scuffling early in the season. But now they're a 500 team and they get to play Philadelphia, Kansas City, and the Cowboys in three of their next four games. You lose those, the season is probably lost. You can't be happy if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Like I said, it all comes down to perspective. Hopefully Josh Allen can return to previous form. Speaking of previous form, Draymond Green, he's got a body of work. We'll explain. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Yep, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio. TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. 
TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Two words, Draymond Green. Now, if you follow Draymond Green's career, his antics have already begun legendary when it comes to stupidity. And the way he trash talks with opponents and riles the opposing crowd. Try that again in English. He riles up the opposing crowd. He likes it. You know, people boo him, the jeers, the crowd. He's, He's sort of like the perfect bad guy, the perfect ultimate warrior, as it were. But it was only a matter of time before Draymond struck again. And maybe he's a wannabe UFC guy now. After punching Jordan Poole last year, you might have thought that was the icing on the cake. Nah, not even close. This guy can't help himself. I remember in a press conference back in 2016, he'd gotten seven technicals during the playoffs or something, and one more he would have been suspended two games, and he says, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to get the eighth technical. No, you're not stupid. You were just stupid enough to get seven technicals. Okay. So what happened Tuesday? There was an altercation that started between the Warriors, Clay Thompson. They were playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Clay Thompson and Jade McDaniels, well, they kind of were going at it. And, and all of a sudden, Rudy Gobert is near the fracas. And then Draymond Green... He uh, jumps into the fray and puts Gobert in a chokehold and starts dragging him away. And in the pool report following the game, which, by the way, Minnesota won, 104-101, the referee of the game that night, Tyler Ford, called Green's actions on Gobert a headlock. He could have called it a chokehold. What does it matter? A suspension was coming for Green. That was obvious. I believe he got five games. But even in an altercation, which can happen, it happens very infrequently in this man's NBA. Back in the day, it happened. But in this man's NBA, not so much. But even in an altercation, Draymond Green and his contact, just, it doesn't have any place in the game. You know, people were guessing what would the suspension be. Some people thought it could be 10 games. No one really knew. It ended up being five games. And, of course, that, of course, that, was, that decision was made by... Joe Dumars, who I have tremendous respect for. He's the NBA executive vice president. He's the head of basketball operations. And Joe Dumars oversees league discipline. And as you recall, last spring in the playoffs, Joe Dumars suspended Draymond Green for one game against Sacramento for basically stepping on the chest of Sacramento King Center DeMontis Sabonis. So the league has sort of walked this tightrope with Draymond Green. They recognize he's a guy who, he's a very spirited player, means a lot to his team, plays with fire, but the, the, the bottom line is he's continually crossed the line with even Stevie Wonder could see that are unsportsmanlike activities, for just lack of a better word. And when, when Green's punishment was announced for the playoff game last April, the NBA noted, quote, the suspension was based in part on Green's history of unsportsmanlike acts. Now, there was a follow-up conversation with Joe Dumars in USA Today 
And Dumars, I remember this quote. We talked about it on my show seven months ago. It says, quote, it was a dangerous and unnecessary act. The second thing was that it was conduct detrimental to the league. And the third thing, Draymond is a repeat offender. That's how we got to a suspension during the playoffs. It was the totality of all three of those things. Well, Green checks three boxes in his latest nonsense. What he did and the way he handled it with Rudy Gobert was not only unnecessary, but dangerous. It was also conduct detrimental to the league. And it also makes Draymond, once again, a repeat offender. Clearly, he was going to get a multi-game suspension, and he got five games. I am wondering, though, if a stronger message is required, and Draymond needs to experience a little bit more pain, a little bit more discomfort. And, even, you know, I like Steve Kerr a lot, but he enables his behavior. It's pretty obvious. The Warriors were 6-6 six and six after that game, four consecutive losses, and without Steph Curry, he sidelined with an injury. The Western Conference this season is better and deeper than it was last season. And the Warriors very much, actually, they really thrive on Draymond Green's presence. And it's worth noting, the Warriors have been better defensively with Green off the court than on the court. Believe it or not, they're minus 18 uh, points-wise with Green on the court and plus 44 with him on the bench. That was through the first 10 games this season, according to NBA.com stats. Now, I realize the league took into account Green's history. They should also take. They should have also taken into account his dislike of Rudy Gobert. Not all players get along, but if I understand correctly, Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green have had a feud that's played out over social media, and part of it stemmed from back in 2019 when Draymond Green, even though nobody asked him, made fun of Rudy Gobert for crying over a 2019 All Star snub. It's pretty clear Draymond Green's got a body of work, and he did it again. And he'll do it again. And the truth of the matter is, you have to ask yourself if it's reached the point of diminishing returns. Now, personally, I believed it did years ago. In the 2016 playoffs, which Cleveland and LeBron did the improbable, even being down three games to one, they came back and beat Golden State. And I put that squarely on Draymond's shoulders. If Draymond had not been suspended a game, I believe Golden State would have won the NBA championship that year. So there you have it. Two words. Draymond Green. He's trouble. I don't like him. He's a, he's a, he's a good player. He's probably going to get Hall of Fame votes. He's contributed to all their championships. But if we reached a point past the diminishing returns where the juice isn't worth the squeeze anymore. He killed their season last year by punching Jordan Poole. Did he talked about what great chemistry the team had this year when he caused the bad chemistry last year? Don't act like he didn't. And then he goes out and does his Tuesday night with Rudy Gobert. Coming up, I want to bring in the crew. I want to have a roundtable discussion about this. Because the truth of the matter is, Draymond Green can be and has been an asset to the Golden State Warriors. There's no question. He's an excellent player. He's a very good passer, rebounder, defender. But he's a knucklehead. And aren't you tired of it? 
Tonight's show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, we continue the Draymond Green discussion with the crew. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare all right back in the bernie frato show fox sports radio coming to you live from the tarac.com studios here in las vegas take you up to 2 a.m pacific 5 a.m Eastern, two words, Draymond Green. In a minute, I'm going to remind you and take you down memory lane of Draymond's history of four suspensions in the NBA, the most recent after Tuesday night's 104-101 Golden State loss to Minnesota, in which Draymond received a five-game suspension, in part, quote, due to his history of unsportsmanlike acts. Kevin, let's start with you. Take it anywhere you want. Give me your thoughts on this whole Draymond Green situation and his body of work, including Tuesday night. I'm over Draymond Green and have been for a long period of time. And with the Steve Kerr situation, he initially came out and defended him until I believe it was Thursday he came out and said, yeah, you know, Draymond was a, a little uh, aggressive and he deserves the suspension because, look, if you went back live and watched when he got Rudy Gobert into a headlock, who was the most demonstrative person yelling at Draymond Green to let him go? It was Steve Kerr. I understand that Steve Kerr wants to protect his guy and feel like he's backing up his own player to a certain degree, but it's just gone way too far with Draymond over the years. I, honestly, I think five games, and I don't know exactly how much power uh, Adam Silver has as far as how many games he can suspend someone based on what happens on the floor, but I thought five, considering Draymond Green's history, was a little lenient. And I'm just tired of Draymond Green and his supporters hiding behind the guise of, well, if you take away that sort of stuff away from him, they just take away his edge. That's the way that he plays. And, and look, Bernie, you have uh, covered you know the NBA. You've covered sports for a long period of time. You were in Detroit for a while. Who was tougher, uh, a great defender, than, say, a guy like Ben Wallace? 
I mean, one of the toughest, one of the grittiest, toughest players on the floor, but off the floor, soft-spoken, very thoughtful. Outside of the malice at the Palace where he shoved Ron Artest, I really can't think of many plays where on the court he lost his cool and, you know, hit somebody below the belt or tripped somebody or did something malicious under the guise of, well, this is just tough and it's his edge. You know, I mean, there's a Joe Kim Noah. Now, he said some stuff in the media that turned some people off at times, but no one ever criticized him for being a dirty player. He was tough. He had edge to him. That's fine. You can be tough and have edge without being dirty. And Draymond Green throughout the course of his entire career has been dirty, and I'm just tired of people defending him saying, well, if you take that away from him, you know, that's the way that he plays. He won't be as effective of a basketball player. That's just not a justification for the way that he plays. You can have both. You can be a tough, gritty defensive player and not be a dirty player. And for too too much of his career, he's been a dirty player. You covered a lot of good ground there, and interestingly enough, Tomorrow, Sunday, is November 19th. It's the 19th anniversary of the Malice at the Palace. Hmm. I was there that night doing a remote, and I covered the 2004 Pistons NBA championship team. Uh, ben Wallace was on that team. Rasheed Wallace was on that team. Tayshawn Prince. They had a lot of, and, of course, remember the original Bad Boys with Joe Dumars. Dennis Rodman was a superb defender. Throughout the years, there have been a lot of great, tenacious man defenders. Draymond seems to take a perverse pleasure in stirring the pot in a very odd, dangerous way. And I'm glad you mentioned the mouse at the palace because there's a bit of a backstory there. Rick Carlisle came to town. He'd been unceremoniously fired. But it was really spontaneous combustion with a minute 38 to go in a game in a game where the Pistons were down by 18. It's almost somewhat surprising, given Draymond Green's history and his body of work, that he hasn't lit the fuse for another uh, another potential malice at the palace because I don't think I, I think fans and he eggs them on. I mean, he waves and looks at him, and it's almost like he looks goofy, right? I mean, it looks, looks like Mel Brooks from Thunderdome. It makes him <laughs> stupid, right? My question to you is, how much longer do you think the Warriors put up with this? He cost him a season last year. He cost him a championship in 2016. The four championships that the Warriors have won notwithstanding, which Draymond clearly contributed to. Has that ship sailed? Is the juice no longer worth the squeeze? If you were the GM, would you move him? Well, that's tough. So you just signed him to an extension this past off season. You know, if there was a, if there was going to be a time to cut bait, I would have thought it would have been in the off season. But they signed him to a what, forty, sixty, I think, somewhat million dollar contract yeah, through twenty twenty six. So I get the question there, Bernie, is if you're going to move off of him, who would take him? I think Draymond Green, throughout the course of his career, really has been very fortunate and has played a very specific role on the team that he is on. You know, you play with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and even before. Kevin Durant was there. They were still a great team. He played in a very specific role and was a great fit for how that team was built. But I'd always said, if you take Draymond Green and put him in a random town with put him on the Detroit Pistons, He's a shat. He's a shell of what he actually is because he plays a specific role within the system yeah. that they have. So Draymond Green, as solid of a player as he is within the system they have at Golden State, I don't think he's a plug-and-play player and it could have the same effectiveness if you just trade him anywhere. I need to kind of ask the question rhetorically, but believe it or not, you know who I think would take him? The Lakers. Ooh. With LeBron? Yeah. I, I think they would. I think they'd figure out a way to make the money work. And if I'm not mistaken, who was LeBron lobbying to end up with if, if Golden State didn't sign him? I forget. Was it the Lakers? Was it? Was there a dalliance there? I don't know if it was the Clippers. I thought it might have been the Lakers, but yeah. 
Uh, look, you bring, you covered a lot of good ground. Uh, Patrick Sweeker, what are your thoughts on Draymond Green? Well, I'm not really surprised by just the, the most, it's just the most recent of what's Draymond doing, everybody. It's uh, him doing that. I, I won't lie, him headlocking uh, Rudy Gobert, I was like, wow, just him doing that to just the French rejection. He, he's a seven foot tall guy, and I'm like, geez, he's got him. And then uh, I'm not surprised. He by came him from behind. That's true. He did get him from behind. So it's, it's fair. But I was like, wow, and all that stuff. And it's. It's getting, it's wearing very thin. I've been pretty much like the biggest like uh, Warriors hater for a while. I'm a Laker fan, so of course I don't like the Warriors. I, I love Steph and all that stuff what they do, but you know it's that that rivalry and like uh, they're you know Northern California types. Uh, but um, no, Draymond, <laughs> it, it's, got got it, got it, got to stay, keep it real with SoCal, you know. But uh, I hear you. Draymond Green was all, he's always been that guy, and he's always been like you know the big guy that's. You know, he, he ruffles a lot of feathers with a lot with not just like, you know, players, but also uh, rivaling fan bases and whatnot. Uh, and, you know, he heckles everybody and he, he's good at what he does. He's good at being a bad boy. But I, I agree with what Figgy says and that, you know, you can be a really good defender and, you know, just super, super good and super tough and even borderline aggressive without having to be dirty. And it's just he he likes to uh, make his cake and eat it, too, with that. And it's it's a little it's obviously gone to that point where it's getting too much. Uh, that five game suspension, I honestly it should have been more. But uh, maybe that it, maybe this is kind of like a little bit of a saying, "Hey, you do something one more time, we're gonna up this like way a little bit higher." Uh, maybe this was just like a warning to him to don't like to kind of tone it down, which I doubt he's gonna really tone anything down. He's and they've had plenty of opportunity, and he doesn't really. He still keeps doing his his stuff. Now, as far as like how long will they, you know, keep Draymond? I, I mean. New contract. I would say if he keeps doing it, maybe midway through his extension, then they'll be like, "All right, we got to move on from him." So maybe he's going to end- keep doing it. It's his, yeah. Yeah, listen, I mean, you mentioned said something a minute ago. <coughs> Excuse me. He's always been this way. Well, Wednesday his suspension was the fifth in his career in the NBA as a result of his part. You know, in the in the uh, altercation with with Minnesota. Right. We've already explained what happened. And the NBA, NBA even noted the other day that the, the, the this was his first multi-game punishment, his five games. And again, the quote was from the NBA, based in part of his history of unsportsmanlike acts. Let's take a look at those. Remember, he was just suspended seven months ago for one game during the playoffs for stepping on Demonis Sabonis. It was game two, Western Conference first round against Sacramento. Draymond was ejected. He got assessed a flagrant two foul. He stepped on Demonis Sabonis in the fourth quarter. Now, Sabonis grabbed Green's leg while he was on the floor, and he was issued a technical foul. But when the refs reviewed the play to determine the degree of the foul, Green walks back to the Warriors bench, waving his hands as if to encourage the the crowd to continue booing him. Remember, this was on the road. Golden State lost that night. 114-106, 114-106, they went down two games a zip in the series. The NBA suspended Green for Game 3. Golden State went on to beat the Kings in six games. But they get twisted up. Draymond steps on his chest, gets issued a technical, suspended a game. That was just last uh, uh, April. So a month before in March, Draymond was suspended one game because he had gotten his 16th technical foul of the season. 
It was a simple game, regular season game in March, mid-March, against the Clippers. Green got a 16th technical foul. That necessitates a one-game ban. Now, why did he get it? The Clippers, Avika Zubak, he makes a hook shot, and Green was in, in the process of trying to defend him, was inadvertently bumped off balance by Russell Westbrook, he come crashing in the corner for an offensive rebound. The ball goes through the hoop, lands in Green's hands. As he turns around, what does he do? Throws the ball off Russell Westbrook's head. Westbrook and George motion to the referee. The refs give Green a technical. Stupid! And Green had hinted to reporters after the game that perhaps the league would rescind one of his previous 15 technicals. Why would they do that? Stupid! They didn't. He got a suspension. Now, prior to that, you have to go back to November of 2018 for uh, Draymond's second career, second career suspension. I bet you remember it. Uh, He he was joined with Kevin Durant and in the team huddle, and and, uh, they had beaten, or actually they just lost to the Clippers, 121-116 on the road. And the players and coaches had to separate both of them, but the back and forth didn't stop. Okay, apparently it stems, it stemmed from a disagreement that apparently during the game, Green had a wide open. Kevin Durant decided not to pass him the ball in the final seconds, and it became more personal when Draymond confronted Durant and his impending free agency. Well, the Warriors. The Warriors suspended Green without pay for the following game against Atlanta. And at the time, their general manager basically said, we felt like this rose to the level of acting the way he did warranted a suspension. So he was suspended by his own team. And, of course, to me, the most famous or infamous suspension was in June of 2016. I alluded to this earlier. It was game four of the 2016 NBA Finals when LeBron was still with Cleveland. The Warriors were leading. There were three minutes to play. Draymond Green and LeBron James got tangled up near midcourt. Green hits the deck. And while getting up, what does he do? Takes a swipe at LeBron in the nether region. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Ding dong. The two went at each other on the next play. Both players got technical fouls. Green received a flagrant one. But then the league reviewed the incident and decided Draymond would serve a one-game suspension without pay game five. That changed the arc of that series. Cleveland was down three games to one. The Warriors were leading in game four. Okay. Green doesn't play game five. You know what happened. Cleveland comes back to win the next three games. And based on a point system, there's a cumulative point system that's designed to deter flagrant fouls. And at the time, the vice president of operations was Kiki Vandeweghe. And he said, quote, while Draymond Green's actions in game four did not merit a suspension as a standalone act, he's accumulated enough flagrant points to trigger a suspension for game five. And if you don't think that was a factor in the Cavaliers winning the 2016 NBA championship after trailing three to one in the series, then you weren't watching. That's my beef with Draymond Green. The juice doesn't anymore worth the squeeze. Coming up, we get to Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Figures, who technically will tell it like it is. 
<laughs> Absolutely, Bernie. We'll go to the NBA uh, from Friday night. The Clippers snapping a six-game losing streak. They beat the Rockets at Crypto.com Arena, 106-100. to James Harden just missed a triple-double, 24.7 assists and nine rebounds. Nikola Jokic did have a triple-double, 18 assists, a career high in that triple-double, but it wasn't a losing effort. Zion Williamson scoring 26 as the Pelicans beat Denver 115-100. to LeBron James tying his season-high 35 points. He also had nine assists, leading the Lakers over the Trailblazers 107-95. to Kevin Durant scored 38 points to lead Phoenix over Utah 131-128. to Five straight wins for the Kings, seven straight losses for the Spurs as Sacramento beat San Antonio 129-120. to 43 points for De'Aaron Fox in that one. In college football, Washington State mollywop Colorado 56-14. Five straight losses there for the Buffs. They are officially eliminated from bowl contention. Texas San Antonio improved to 8-3 and 7-0 and in the American Athletic Conference after a 49-21 victory over South Florida. You had top 25 college basketball wins for Houston, Arizona, and Texas A&M. UNC Greensboro with an upset victory over Arkansas, 78-72. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, thanks, buddy. So, we covered all, as you know, and the funny thing about soccer, which is the biggest sport in the world, they call it football in other countries, is oftentimes there's great action on the field and great stories off the field. That's why we bring you, each week at this time, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. On this world of soccer, Bernie, we're going to take you around the globe. It is yet again another international break. Uh, I don't know how we keep coming up with so many of these. They seem to just pop out out of nowhere. There's nothing I can do about it. Just repeatedly, international breaks interrupt our world of soccer. But it does mean the U.S. men's national team is in action here. They are playing in the quarterfinals here of the CONCACAF Nations League. Now, this year, the Nations League does carry a qualifier for the Copa America, which is going to be held in 2024 here in the United States. It's a in, in North America, it's going to be a very big deal to have the CONCACAF Nations being able to participate in the Copa America, one of the two greatest off-year away from FIFA World Cup tournaments that exist with the South American nations. And U.S. got out to a quick start here from Thursday. We're on the quarterfinal leg one, kicking the butts of Trinidad and Tobago, two for the price of one. 3-0, they'll be playing again on Monday. Seeing as the United States have won the last two finals that have existed out there for the CONCACAF Nations League, it seems only fitting that uh, I think there's really no one else but the United States who is a heavy favorite to win this year once again. But there was actually news from the other side of the American soccer world as the U.S. women's team was granted a new manager. We had talked about the fallout from the Women's World Cup about the dismissal of their previous manager. And now the U.S. has appointed Emma Hayes, formerly the manager of the women's side at Chelsea, over to become uh, the, the manager 
manager of the U- United States women's national team on a contract through 2027 with numbers that make her the highest paid women's soccer coach in the world, which is befitting because really United States should be spending money out there for its women's product. And indeed, part of the extra pay also comes in that that was also what was needed to really coax Hayes away from playing at Chelsea, a very big club for the for the Women's Premier League and for, you know, her career to come to the United States and get to deal with a new changing of the guard on the national team. Emma Hayes, while born in the United Kingdom in London, has coached quite often and been a manager quite often in the United States, starting mostly in a lot of places like the Long Island Lady Riders, the Iona Gales, and then spending about three years with the Chicago Red Stars. And for the past uh, 11 years or so, she has brought Chelsea quite a bit of success for its women's team. She is regarded very well across the women's soccer world, and getting her is nothing short of a coup for the United States. Now, unfortunately, she's going to be having to leave Chelsea on a bit of a sour note. Uh, two very, two very big incorrect refereeing decisions ended up botching Chelsea's win in a uh, in a Champions League draw with Real Madrid. She slammed the the uh, officiating there, said they were robbed, embarrassing. So, kind of leaving there on a bit of a sour note once Chelsea women's club's season is over. But let's leave the United States alone. We'll come back to them in a little bit. Let's talk instead about what's been going on in Euro qualifying. Euro 2024 is that other fantastic in-between World Cup tournaments I was talking about. Euro 2020 was a fantastic spectacle. It was on a lot in the United States, and it got people on Fox Sports Radio talking about it. And it has a lot to do because the final was between England, one of the greatest clubs, I mean, one of the greatest nations in the world for the game of soccer, and Italy. Historic, storied, so many great players that have come through and played for the Italian national team. And we've got a bit of a tale of both worlds happening here. For England, they're at the top of their group for Euro qualifying, and they'll be, they're considered to breeze on through straight. We'll see them back here, and once again being one of the strongest sides to take the field in Euros. Italy, in Group C, is a little bit of a different story. They did beat North Macedonia 5-2 in, in the ninth of 10 match days. Two goals scored by Federico Chiesa, who is fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful to watch. But it's a bit of a revenge game because we have to rewind to the World Cup qualifiers of years prior where Italy failed to make the World Cup because of North Macedonia. And so let's turn back the clocks to the 25th of March, 2022, where coming off of Euro 2020, Italy was riding high, but had an incredibly disappointing UEFA qualifying for the World Cup season. And the final blow came where all they really needed was just to hang on and not lose to North Macedonia. And this high, this, this, this great Italian team with a great goalkeeper, with everything they had behind them with the Azzurri in their prime just fell on a 1-0 loss to North Macedonia. That deprived the Italians of their second World Cup in a row. 
They have not won a knockout round game in a World Cup since they last won the World Cup itself back in 2006. They have missed the last two World Cups. And to be honest, it is a pal upon their entire, entire team into upon their entire nation this is a country that expects to be there playing in world cups so they have one more match here coming up it's against ukraine both teams have 13 points sitting and jockeying for second place behind england already through in in group c so italy holds a lot of the tiebreaker scenarios so i imagine what they just need to not lose to ukraine which again famous last words here if they're not qualifying for Euro 2024. It could be another rough campaign for the Azuri as a powerhouse of Europe continues to try to reclaim some of its glory. And finally, Bernie, we like friendlies. We always like friendlies. And indeed, we got some great news here this week where Barcelona, storied, storied Barcelona, announced this week they will be playing a friendly in in the United States at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, not Jerry's World, the old Cotton Bowl. Talk about bowl season, December 21st, Barcelona will be taking on the Mexican Giants Club America. That should be a fantastic match, something to fit in there with all the other college football bowl games you'll be watching. So watch out for the other bowl game coming up here as we see you next time on the World of Soccer. There you have it, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. There's always plenty of action on and off the field. And remember, heading into 2024, the next big event we point toward the Paris Olympics. Coming up, we wrap up the show and we talk a little bit about a theory my good buddy Mark Lawrence has having to do with undefeated college teams in the month of November and feeling the noose tightening and the pressure to keep your season undefeated. And there's a direct correlation with that pressure and how they do against the spread. College football week 12 resumes here, seven hours and 20 minutes. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Part of wrapping up the Bernie Frattle Show. Coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Friday night. Uh, great job, Patrick Suica, stepping in uh, for Shay, who's a little under the weather tonight. And then, of course, uh, Kevin Figures, great job on the updates. And Mark, J- uh, Mark Ramsey, as always, our technical producer. Guys, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. So we can bring this program into a grateful nation. And by the way, I'll be back on these airwaves again Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific. We'll have a full recap of the day in college football. We'll look ahead uh, to the NFL, our usual NBA updates. and Got some interesting uh, features, as per usual. We'll dive into Patrick Mahomes and his odd superstition. And maybe take a walk down memory lane and some other famous superstitions of other athletes. November, <clears throat> for the better, B-E-T-T-O-R, people who like to bet. And pretty much everybody bets now. We, they pretty much did before, but now it's come out into the open. It's legal in, I believe, 31 states. November might be the best month of the season for sports fans, especially for sports fans who like to bet. Why? The NFL, we're now in the second half race. Races are taking shape. Storylines are taking shape. The games have serious consequences. College football is starting to wind down. Teams are scurrying for bowl bids. The NHL is here. The NBA is back. College basketball is underway. Even baseball just had its winter meetings. We'll talk about the A's to Vegas on Saturday night as the owners voted unanimously to to bring the Oakland A's to Las Vegas. A lot has to happen. They won't play a game here before 2028, but they did cross a major hurdle. Interestingly enough, back to the betting aspect, some of the best value occurs when you look at college football teams who in November are still undefeated at this stage of the season. My good buddy Mark Lawrence, who produces Playbook, one of the finest sports publications out there has coined his noose is tightening redux and it seems to be true every year every week that goes by in college football and your team is undefeated there's pressure and you're going to pay for it by the way uh in the line you know the michigan's laying 19 at maryland saturday uh ohio state's laying a bundle Matter of fact, there are there are five undefeated teams left standing. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington. Okay? And if you go back to 1980, you, you want to test Mark Lawrence's nooses tightening philosophy. It gets tighter and tighter every week, especially when these teams go on the road. And since 1980, undefeated college football teams playing in the regular season on the road after week 10, which we are now past. They win. They're 136 and 47, but against the spread, they're only 44%. So, look at Washington. They're on the road, but they're not a favorite. They're an underdog to Oregon State. Frankly, you heard Brad Powers early in the first hour of the show. We believe Washington could be in trouble Saturday night. Michigan, do I expect them to lose to Maryland? No. But I'm not laying 19 points on the road 
especially given what's going on in Michigan this week. Georgia, another big-time road favorite. They're tremendous. Don't know that I want to get away of them, but the bottom line is <clears throat> these undefeated college football teams that go on the road after week 10, well, you heard my you heard the stat. It's going back 40 years. Worse, when they're installed as conference road favors, they're even worse. They're only 55 and 80 against the spread and uh, 42 and 63 when they're not favored. And a lot of these times, a lot of the, a lot of times these teams honest to god, they're really favored by a bundle. You want to have some more fun? For whatever reason, and by the way, the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, and they play Minnesota Saturday. They're undefeated as well. For whatever reason, Game 11 has been the bane of Ohio State's existence. In the last nine years, they're only 1-8 and eight against the spread heading into uh, their Week 11 game. Now, maybe it's because the Week 11 game, week 12 game is always Michigan. They always play Michigan the final game of the season. Arguably the greatest rivalry in all the sports. It started as a land war a hundred years ago but some of these teams are are, are laying a lot of points and it's going to be fun to watch saturday because if washington loses you might start to see a little chaos here right now the college football playoff race is straightforward there's five undefeated teams and if four of those five teams remain undefeated it'll make the committee's job relatively simple to pick off the four playoff teams you can call it a playoff you know what i call it the made-for-TV invitational tournament, because that's the way it is. Now, in some shops, Michigan is is laying 21. Uh, even Penn State, they've got two losses. Feels like a real dream crusher game. They're laying 20 against Rutgers. There's no way. Ohio State's laying 28 against Penn, against Minnesota. And you might have to hold your nose, but grabbing Minnesota plus the 28 might be the right side. Because there is pressure, and they're expensive. Remember, Ohio State's got Michigan next week, and they have to go to Michigan. So as we wind it down and the college football playoff potentially takes shape, remember there are five undefeated teams Saturday that will tee it up. And if history is past his prologue, they're going to have trouble covering the spread to the tune of 44% of the time. That's going to do it for the Bernie Fratto Show. Friday night edition. Remember, we'll be back on these airwaves 11 p.m. Saturday night. Full college football recap. We'll dive heavily into the NFL. Brand new fool. What my name. The whole mushpuka. Plenty of guests. Plenty of fun. It's going to do it. Keep it locked. Up next, the great Anthony Gargano on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.